thanks for tuning in right here, right now, to another episode of Laugh With Me, a Joke Daddy production with your host, Joe. Hey you guys, it's me, your host Joe. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm uh, glad you've decided to embark on this journey with us tonight, or today, or this afternoon, or mid-morning, whatever time it is that you decide to fancy on over to Joke Daddy's podcast and uh, soak in the audio ambiance that is Joke Daddy Productions, so... Thank you for tuning in to another episode, a special episode. This is an episode brought to you by uh, an upcoming show that I'm going to be on, a mixed and misidentified show. It is a a comedy show put together of comedians from, um, I believe it's international around the around the world. Um, But they're they're not just any comedians from around the world. They're comedians who, um, let's say, they have mixed blood. Yeah, they're like muggles. Uh, These people uh, belong to, they are multi-ethnic people. You know, by no choice of their own, they became a mixed breed. They had no say in it whatsoever. Yet, for the rest of eternity, as long as anybody looks at them, they instantly judge that person based on what they see right away. And it may not even register with those people, you know. Like for myself, I am Mexican and Filipino. People look at me automatically and think Samoan, which is simply because of my weight, I believe. So, but no, people look at me and they just assume Mexican. I mean, just right out of the gate when I mow my front lawn, like people pull over and ask me what my rates are. It's it's incredible. Like they, they just make a snap judgment off of what you look like right away and when you're mixed that could be that could pose bigger challenges so the mix and mix the mixed and misidentified show that i'm going to be on is is an excellent comedy show we poke fun at ourselves and we poke fun at society and the world around us so it's not something you're going to want to miss check it out sunday follow my facebook to get uh to get info on how you can tune into that but the person bring in that show to you is the one and only Dante Barnett, Soupman Productions, and he is why we are here tonight to talk on Laugh With Me. And we're back. Welcome to Laugh With Me. I am your host, Joke Daddy. And like I said on today's show, we've got the very funny, the very talented, um this guy actually he he deserves more of an intro than that because this guy i've actually known for more than half my life we go back to high school days we go back to burian we go back to highline high home of the pirates uh we shared uh we were on the football team together although i was nothing but uh, like a third stringer just barely hanging on because i couldn't get my crap together and dante was running the field and Oh, I just said his name. Damn it. Hey, Dante, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Joke Daddy Productions, we're, we're extremely professional and we got it going on, baby. But welcome. <laughs> I'm excited to have you. I'm excited to have you here. I'm glad you wanted to come on. 
Uh, so thanks for thanks for hanging out with me tonight. No, it's funny you say that. Uh, a lot of people don't know we're more than just comedians. And, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like you know, I've, I've I do stats for Fox Sports, right? I used to coach yeah. high school football. I used to ref high school football. I used to run with Nima and some of the local rap guys. And so I've went on various podcasts, and they found out. Oh, you know about local hip pop music? <laughs> oh, you can talk sports. You're not just a comedian. And then they find out of a nerd too, right? And they're like, "What the fuck? Yeah." So all kinds of shit happens. I love it. That's kind of. We're a melting pot of people when it comes down to comedians. We're definitely, we're definitely diverse and complex. Yeah, man. You never know what you're going to get. And especially when you're talking about somebody, a Seattle native, a Pacific Northwest native, uh, it's such a melting pot. It's such a diverse community. You can't help, but, but pick up a lot of different cultures, a lot of different, um, traditions and, and just, different mindsets so you know we got that we got the computers we got gaming uh but then again we also got a bunch of jocks we do have sports believe it or not we've had it since before uh before russell wilson showed up (laughs) (laughs) just we didn't play like it but yeah we've always had a good crop of nfl talent a good crop of baseball talent and a good crop of um nba talent that's going to the next level out of here so yeah it's not like we're not a sports area we're just we're known for rain and coffee, right? That's right. And, and you know, we have a lot of talent that comes up out of Seattle and uh, that, that works its way through the college or the high school level to the college level and, uh, and maybe even the semi-pro level. You might be able to speak more on that because uh, I think you oh, did semi-pro. That up too? Yeah, I'm in the <laughs> – yeah. <laughs> I should be up for the Hall of Fame any day now. Uh, <laughs> I actually have the record for the most teams played for. I played for like – 12 years i've thrown okay. a touchdown i've caught a touchdown i've ran a touchdown uh yeah we could talk about that too i used to predict the games and cause all kinds weren't you, of drama but weren't you aren't you a defensive player no i played it all i played oh, okay. quarterback it wasn't until like my last three years that i went to defense i finally gave up trying to play offense and got fat and slow and was just like a d lineman for two or three years <laughs> I played D-line and linebacker for two or three years. It's like, fuck this. I'm not getting hit. Right. I don't want to get hurt. I'm going to just push people, people around yeah. a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Push people around, lay people yeah, yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to do all the running or get knocked out no more. Quarterback yeah. was one of the craziest ones because I'm a pretty big guy. And so most of the time I wouldn't get hit and get taken down, but I've taken some fucking beatings. Yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> not not an easy position and and yeah you go from playing quarterback to going playing lineman and you know it's a difference of 30 seconds of play time uh dur- during a play so yeah hey, you blocked for two seconds fucking he got loose quarterback yeah. run for your life yeah run, that's right motherfucker, run. 30 ah! seconds yeah. 30 second sprint yeah every it's, it's totally different every 60 seconds so yeah, man. Of course, I had to drop that you were, you know, I, I got to get all the credits I can on this show. Joke Daddy Productions. We only bring the highest caliber of talent onto this show. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've done a little bit of everything, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, but um, okay. But let's talk comedy. All right. So the people out there, they want to know what, wh- why comedy? Why, why did you want to get into comedy, Dante? Uh, I think you've, you've known me for 25, 23, 24 years now, and I've always been the smart ass. Um, <laughs> I've always <laughs> talked jokes. Some people might call it bullying. We called it the dozens, right? You always talk shit. We were always the guys in the middle of the hallway running their mouths. 
Yeah. I grew up watching comedy. And then about three years ago, a little over three and a half years ago, my mom passed. Mm-hmm. And it really pushed me to chase what I love. Um, that yeah. changed my whole life. I mean, I'm divorced now, right? I was at the bottom of all bottoms. And I was living out my car and comedy was the answer. I used to do three to four mics a day sometimes, sleep in my car, go to 24-hour fitness shower, and then do it all over again. And comedy was the answer for me. Mm. And yeah. it was, I mean, some of my best jokes were in my first set. My master's joke, my puto joke were some of my first jokes I ever wrote. You know what I mean? Okay. And and they're decent. They're not just, ah, they're good jokes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And my first time I did comedy, I think I did like four and a half minutes. And then I said, oh, I forgot a joke. And I didn't know you couldn't do that. So I just went <laughs> back up and did some more. This was way, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this was way before I knew any better or, or politics of all this shit. I just, I'm going to do some more. And she just gave me the mic and let me do it. Well, and not, I told a couple more jokes. They were good, but you know. Not, not to jump the shark, but that, I mean, that is my next question up is like, where was your first night at? Uh, I did it with Auntie, Auntie Katrina at Cavaleros. Cavaleros. I'm not familiar. So the old, it's an old black uh, lodge. It's an old black club. Oh, okay. So they get all dressed up. I think she did a couple comedy uh, things there also, right? And uh, what it was is uh, she, she said, hey, I've been doing this. You should come over, this, that, and the other. And I was like, all right, okay. And uh, I finally went to do it. And like I did all right and I didn't just do all right all right like I did good okay when I say that I'm not like you know who Sam Miller is yeah big Sam came up yeah. to me oh yeah hey man that was pretty fucking awesome mm. that was your first time was, yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean and he was, you know Sam Sam's not gonna bullshit you no, Sam, I, hey, I don't think I've ever heard effort, you know what I mean I don't think I've ever heard those words in that order from Sam to me so, I mean, but hey, what are you going to do? It, you know, it is what it is, but it was one of those where I just had a good set. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he caught me and, and you know, and he just looked at me because I was nervous and, I, you know, he's a big guy and I'm a big guy. So before the show, you know, nobody was really talking. You know how it is before a show. Yeah. Nobody's fucking talking to anybody they don't fucking know. Right. But we're both big guys and Sam's intimidating and I'm intimidating. So we we're both outside. Hey, man, what's your name? You know, Sam is, hey, I'm Sam. How are yeah. you? What's up? Yeah, and I was like, "This is my first time. There's no way." And I went up, and he came out. That's your first new joke, and right? Nah. And I, I can't remember who else was there, whoa. but there were a couple other people that I, like had been doing it for a while that were just like, "Whoa, that's your," and I just knew, you know what I mean? Like when you know you go up there and you do all right, or at least you have the rush. Yeah, you'll be all right. But I mean, him saying, you know, is that your first time? And you're like, "Yeah, it's my first time." But like. Is it really? I mean, you're a college professor and that's like the biggest joke ever, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. well, that's the funny part is I was, I taught for uh, two years teaching uh, college. Yeah. Um, HTML websites, database, all this shit. And I was a great teacher. Uh, I mean, you could Google my name. There's a rotten tomatoes review for teachers, whatever. Right. Are you serious? Yeah. Go to, you can like, as we're talking, you could go to rate my professor and you'll find me. Right. Do it and, people. Dante Barnett. And the it's ladies spelled like, not the way you think Yeah, it's Duante <laughs> D U A N T E. But the, the lady gave me a great, and I made it funny. Like people were like, how you make database class funny. You make it interesting. That's like my first day of database class. I talked to him and be like, you know, everybody carries a database around with them. 
And they're looking at me. I said, everybody has one. And they're looking at me. I said, what do you think your fucking, hey, bingo. What do you think your phone is? Oh, yeah. Sorry. This isn't an audio platform. Yeah, yeah, I held yeah, up my yeah, phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He held up his phone. You guys may not see this, but. <laughs> right? And they go, oh, no shit. And I was like, how do you think one login does this? Or how they know how to advertise you? And just kind of, yeah. you know, went into a, and, and you know me, I can talk. And yeah. I have a direction in what I'm going and what I'm talking about. And I know it. So you want to talk marketing and advertising and database? Do you know how I do so well as a producer? Yeah. I'm applying all those principles. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I see you. Homie. I see it. I see it. I'm taking notes. <laughs> and so there's, you know, when I did comedy, it was just one of those things that I had been joking. Like I remember the one day I had, I would get kids to open up. It didn't matter who the student was. Every student by the end of my quarter would have opened up to me and we'd be joking and I'd have personal information, right? Yeah. Like my last day of class was optional. Do you know how many people showed up? <laughs> All of them. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> Let's hang out with Dante. Yeah. My last day of class is optional. Yeah. And every kid showed up because you made it fun. You made it personal. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you know, it's, I'm glad you asked me about that. I got to take some notes. I got to start doing crowd work like how I teach. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really, you got to grab them. You got to pop. You got to pop the room, right? Grab their attention, bring them in and, uh, and, and captivate, engage. And, uh, and those are all important things. That's kind of that's one of the reasons why I made a smooth transition, I think, into comedy. Because I had been doing public speaking. I, yeah. I had been in front of a group so so getting their attention and holding their attention is one thing but then trying to be funny um i'm still working on that it's all and good we both talked about that i mean yeah. one of the things we talked about hey you've got the cadence now find your voice yeah find yep. your message yeah and I, it's nothing bad you know what i mean we can all go out there and do jokes but i think there's a certain level of comedy where you learn there's a difference between just making jokes and then finding your message yeah right and like, for me, it's like not putting down white people, but I challenge people to think about what the fuck I'm saying, right? Like I challenge them on racism. That's where I'm going to go. And that's just the growth. I, I'm not perfect at it. I'm working on it. I still only got the same 18, 20 minutes, but we'll expand one day. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny because, yeah, like uh, obviously, well, to the people out there, Dante is black in case you couldn't tell by his accent. <laughs> i'm mixed I, i'm mixed let's get it right that's I'm right talking. he is mixed okay uh and i'm mexican uh mexican filipino and i'm married to a white girl and i talk about like i mean a lot of racist shit uh like why do white people do this why do white people do that and it's like i don't hate them i'm not trying to come down on it i'm not trying to come down on that but it's just one of those things that i do gotta talk about and um thanks comedy for bringing up some of these topics and because it could open up conversation i think that's one of the things that we do is we facilitate a consciousness right mm -hmm. and so uh, comedy is a beautiful thing uh so you started comedy what uh would you say three years ago uh two and a half august of 2018 okay okay uh, where was your, uh, I think you, you kind of spoke on it. Where was your first place at? Uh, it was at Caballeros and Cavaleros. Tacoma was a black comedy club. Okay. So it was a little different because <laughs> old black folks are really kind of prude. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> kind of prude, really. They can be, you know what I mean? Just, it's a church crowd. 
Okay. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Did Old black know? church crowd. Yeah. Is, is this where Suit Man started? Did you wear a suit to this? Oh hell no! I was this was I was I was still with my wife and kids at this point, but I think I wore like khakis and one of my polo shirt. You know what I mean? And a Hawaiian shirt, my usual teacher look, right? Like you said, he's mixed people. And then khakis, right? <laughs> and then the next six weeks, I was in sweatpants or in because I was you know homeless, living out my car. And then in October of 2018, I got my clothes back <laughs> and I got a place <laughs> to live. And the first time I went to do comedy, I wore a suit and nobody knew what to say. Right. And they were like, this is your only suit. And I think you remember I used to do FBLA and host our stuff in high school. So I've had suits and always done this shit. They didn't know I had like four suits and all these ties. So then it was wear another sure. one, wear another one, wear another one. And then I started wearing it because the white people couldn't stop talking about it. Yeah. Because you've seen it. People are like, so what do you have, court? Where'd you come from? And it's like, that is so racist yeah. and insulting. Yeah. And then every other host wanted to say, oh, he had court, or he looks like a bad used car salesman, or all these things. And it started to really wear down on me. Let me be honest with you. Like, in December of 2018, four months in, I was really, like, wanting to quit comedy. Yeah. I mean, well, when you start showing up and start doing things and people start seeing you there's a lot of shit thrown and i think i think a lot of that is that um that hazing mentality and i don't or, know how but i don't or, know how to deal with that it's hard no i i don't either. i mean it's, i do it's like, do you like me do you am i part of the club like am i is my do i just need to thicken up my skin because trust me i got thick skin like you were saying earlier i mean we grew up playing dozens yeah i mean i mean is that just the game we're playing here or and here it wasn't because I know these guys don't like me. You know what I mean? They're not yeah. letting me in their clubs. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting it everywhere I go. There's no safe space for me except for Teradice because it's the only black place I can go. You know what I mean? Teradice killed me. Right? I, you, I did it one time and it. I just, I bombed so hard, bro. And I, I told you that might happen. You're like, <laughs> you did, why? You did, was, you did warn me. And and you looked at me like I was an asshole for saying that to you. And I was like, this is a different kind of crowd. These aren't white people. These are hood people. And they I don't want to hear your white jokes. But You know what I mean? Not literally, but you know what I'm saying? They want to hear something new. But like, I literally grew up on that block. Like, <laughs> yes, like, we both did. I yes. knew it was Teradice because I was like, that's not Teradice. That's Charlie's Broiler. Of like that's what I grew up with it as like I know this spot I know these people these are my people like I got this and I just got <laughs> shook bro I got rocked and then um I think I did another I you weren't there that night when I was at Teradice but I did do another black can I black room am I allowed to, uh, <laughs> urban comedy urban comedy yeah that's the best we've got <laughs> so that well, way you get what I'm saying because let's be honest let's for those who don't know, there's four scenes in Sia in, in, in our area. Mm -hmm. You have the Tacoma comedy scene. Yes. Which is, I hate to say this, and you may disagree, but it's the edgelord capital of our scene. There's going to be a lot of edgy shit said. Yes. It, it is what it is. Well, I don't care. For, you get what I mean? I don't but care. We're for very it. blue collar. We're very like, ah, whatever. Like, some ah, of you guys, but you know, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I wouldn't, I wouldn't let some of those guys perform in front of the Polynesians we know. I'll just put it to you like that. <laughs> right? And then you've got your Seattle comedy club scene. So your, your laughs and your undergrounds, so your whitewash comedy scene. Yeah. And then you've got Capital Guy Hill. Tie. Um, oh, Guy you're not tie even, oh, you're not even Higgy. counting up there. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that's something totally different. Because that is, 
you're gonna hear your dick sucking jokes and i don't mean by heterosexual males i'm talking about the the other side of it you know what i mean yeah and you're gonna hear a lot of you know edge comedy but in a sexual manner and that's where i started on capitol hill and that's and then there's the last scene which is the black scene which is me and james taylor and tawana buchanan a little bit and that's it and out of those people only one of us has been doing comedy more than three years only two of us has been doing comedy more than two years so that means i've been producing for two years tawana's been producing a little under a year yeah outside of me and her the only other black producer is james taylor yeah and he's successful but he's not really known for doing shows he does his open mics but there's no black home for comedy right yeah and so when yeah, you- and when you say that do you mean like strictly for black people or just a black producer because there's a black producer in in tacoma but it's it's just an open mic show oh well he does he does the comedy hour uh oh, tony books. tony yeah uh, tony, you know tony. I, I, no i'm not saying like that but i mean so tony could be added to that but it, it with him it was just the book of work just did i didn't think of he did the one day you know what i mean nothing like that it just didn't think of him sure like sure that, but no no yeah and then not only that but tony doesn't specialize in supporting us as much as i would you mean you mean strictly black community not so much strictly black community it's just putting us at a forefront you okay. know what i mean yeah and that's no, the, no, I, feel it. I mean you could say whatever you want but like when i look around there's nobody trying to do anything for us yeah nobody you know doing I mean? anything strictly for mexicans either hey, hey, so we might see, we might see about that i'm just saying hey we fucker get your shit together i told you i was hey. trying to do cinco no mayo motherfucker i tried right i tried right that shit was hella racist that name <laughs> what it's not vegan it was on cinco de mayo which is it's, it, it, it was vegan, vegan. Yeah, yeah so cinco is- no mayo <laughs> Which is which is it's totally a play a on words, yeah. It's totally and, a slap at Mexican people. Say vegan, orale. What? No, no comprende, no entiendes. Hey, yo like, no sé. Yo come mucho dairy, Holmes. Like, look at you. Don't get this. Oh, you, people can't see. I forget. This is audio. We I got to make it audio and visual someday. Yeah, you can. You can do that now because it records both. You can just upload yeah. it to YouTube. That's what I do. I upload to YouTube <laughs> and. Put it everywhere. Let them nope. see me. If I'd have nope. known, I'd have had the suit on. You fucked hard. That's why I'm mad. I was like, I would have been suit man. I'm sweatsuit man <laughs> instead. But fuck you, man. Just they, in case you put it up. Here, look. Here's the 50 shirts. <laughs> they didn't need to know that, man. Like, Here's the 50 is... shirts, right? And they're all color coordinated. Fuck them. There you go. There that's you go. The magic. There you go. We could have we could have painted any picture. My man, my man Dante, actually, he right now, he's wearing a three-piece suit with tails. <laughs> that's yeah. a lot. <laughs> Well, no, and no, he's not answering the door when there's a knock. So, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not mad at Tony. I'm not saying, he's oh no, I didn't. Part, he's, but he's not. He's not focusing on being a black comedy producer. I got gotcha. you. You look at his lineups, and 15 percent of the people on there were non-white. Well, I mean, the the the. I mean, the, the vast majority. I'm glad. Look at it. It's taken me. I've recorded 11, hey, look, look, 11 look, episodes, Joe. and I just had. My first female black comedian. You mentioned her name, Tawana. Tawana, yeah. I, I get her. you, but yeah. that's that's all I'm saying to you is, is is that you can do things with, and I'm not insulting you here. Yeah. That's what I think a lot. My biggest problem is, is I, I have with people, and I'll just put it out there. So I'm going to do things a certain way. Yeah. And that is, upsets people and offends them. And I'm not saying it's better. It's just the way I do them. 
and I try my best to put minorities and women first. Sure. I and and hey, there's a look at. I tell this about. I tell this to everybody. There's plenty to go around for everybody. Well, and that's why, the thing. why hate? Why hate? Why hate on one person's angle, one person's moves? They're doing what they're doing. If it's not what you're trying to do, then they ain't even competition. We we all on the same team because that's comedy. What? Hold up! Hold up! Hold what? up! What? <laughs> what happened? Do I need to, hold up! Do I need to said, pause? I, hold up! The cold part. Hey, no, we're not pausing. We're gonna say this. <laughs> okay. It's funny you say that because I've had so many people be like, "Well, this person said you don't like." I, I don't. I felt like Snoop Dogg. I don't give a fuck about what that motherfucker says. We're not doing the same thing. <laughs> and that fucking Columbia City Theater once a month charging twenty dollars a, a piece, getting a hundred people to my fucking show. You know you how many mixed and misidentified, right? Yeah. You know how many other days of the month there are? I took <laughs> one day. <laughs> get yours right you know what i mean you got the other 29 motherfucker the more it's bad for the more energy we got around columbia city theater or, or xyz club you know whatever it is people are gonna start gravitating on a regular basis a little bit of everything for everybody on any given night and shit you might have someone check your stuff out, man. Like people are just so close-minded about this. I don't get it. Like there's enough pie to go around. We all going to be fed. People want to laugh. Well, let's talk about it. Do you know what it is? And this is what made pride. me start producing. Nope. It's not even pride. It's the old way of doing things. Sure. Every way I do my shows is totally opposite of what the, the normal is. Right. Okay. So how, well, let's talk about it. how many people are usually on my shows, Joe. Are you... <laughs> yeah you're laughing right I am laughing people get because mad. I've, com I've commented <laughs> yeah and it's people want to get mad right it's but 10 people a lot yeah but it's not about you it's your it's about the audience sure now you yeah. get nine people up on a show right mm -hmm. if i don't like one or two of them there's still seven other people yeah it's only an hour and a half show and with at the theater with the intermission it was perfect you did an hour you went up got a drinks so it was a fucking party right it was a great i gotta say i've been on the show and it was it was a hoot it wasn't just a regular show right yeah. you wanted to stay the whole time the crowd yeah. stayed the whole time we had 88 people stay for two hours yeah are you kidding me yeah and the crowd was diverse as hell because it was the show we we're about to do mixed and misidentified remember and most of the crowd do you remember what nationalities they were what they're mostly asian there was a lot of asian I think half the crowd was of Asian descent or mixed Asian descent. Cause remember I had the whole clap cheer. And then I said, how many Asians do we have in here? And they're like, Whoa! Oh shit. Yeah. You know I mean? like, yeah. Fuck. All right. But they take it over. The thing is, is like, I think it's a pride thing. There's, 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 so let's talk about things. We, we went to high school together, right? Mm -hmm. My senior year, we got picked on for football, right? When I was a sophomore and I went to varsity, they threw us in the mud puddle and they yeah. did all this stupid shit. Did I do that to you guys? Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, no. we didn't throw you in the puddle. I might've laid you guys out and hit you <laughs> on the field, but I didn't literally grab you guys yeah. and make you guys get thrown through a puddle and the hazing. Do you get what I'm getting at here? Yeah. And like you said, you say some of it's hazing, but I think that's the old system. Yeah. These guys were told you got to wait five years before you can do 10 minutes on a real show. And then you got to wait another five years before you can get a feature spot. And if you haven't done 10 years of comedy, you shouldn't be talking about being a headliner and all these different things. Now, some of them I agree with, right? I'm, I'm too old for that. I ain't got time. Yeah, bingo. And not only that, but that's because five years in order to do 
10 open mics, you had to wait 10 weeks because there was only one fucking open mic. Yeah. And what changed for me and what I was getting at, and this is a perfect segue, is I left here to go to Portland. Do you remember that? I said, everybody, I'm going to take a carload of people. This might have been before you started. I no, think. I saw that, actually. No, I remember. But it was before you started, but you were, we're still friends, so you've seen it through me. Yeah. And I took four, we, I took four other people with me, right? I got a hold of five different producers and said, we're going to do your shows. Can you give us a little leeway? Make sure we go up early. And they plotted it out. So we went to the first show, killed it. Went to the second show, it was fucking packed. Like there's 40 fucking comedians in there, went in there, killed it. Where was that? Where was that at? Um, I want to say. I'm just the, curious, like, because I've done Portland once. So the first mic was like McMinimins or whatever, the one that's downtown. It's run yeah. by the, it, that's at like five o'clock on a Friday or Tuesday or something. And then the second one was like Jade's, the Jade Lounge. It's like a little library. It's all intimate and close, okay. right? Yeah. And then the third one was a little pizza spot. Kelly's. Yep, and then Kelly's we went, Olympia. That's a dope yep. place. And then we went to uh, Harvey's. Harvey's yeah. with the hijinks. I saw. And then I, we I closed out at at Funhouse, right? So I, I just I haven't done Funhouse yet. Oh, you don't. It, it, there's a lot of drum. Anyways, we'll talk about cancel culture later. We'll get to that, I'm sure. But hey. <laughs> we'll segue to that later and pin that and put it up, right? I need a, I need a sound effect, boy. Hey, right? uh, but so I told you, I just got started wearing my suit and all these different things. And everybody's everywhere I go, it's ha ha, make fun of them. Ha ha. And I'm feeling like shit. Sure. And I go down to Portland and everybody loves my jokes. Everybody's thinking I'm fucking great. Yeah. Everybody's like, what are you like four or five years in? I'm like, no, four months. <laughs> and they're like what and i'm like yeah all right and then hijinks see me and said hey i'm doing this black comedy festival next month you should come down and get some guest time Ooh, okay i wish i could get quentin <laughs> you need to start the you can start the brown pride festival buddy get your mech get, come on man you're the fucking voice of Look I here. know, but I want to work. I like no, working with hijinks and wild child. This, but this is what I want you to understand: <laughs> is every time I say something, you're like, "There's no Mexican in this," and that means you should be doing it. No, 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 but I'm just saying I I like working with hijinks oh, and DJ Wild Child. Uh, you mean dirty? You want to be part of a dirty suit production? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking with you. But I would dirty down joke, <laughs> dirty, daddy dirty daddy, suit, dirty daddy, dirty daddy suit. No, Daddy's Dirty Suit. Ooh, <laughs> Daddy's Dirty Suit. Ooh. Coming, Cinco de Mayo, 2021. <laughs> hey, Cinco de Mayo. Ah, he almost spit out your beer. But I went down there, and I met this guy, and he had me come on a Black Comedy Festival, and I did great, and I meet this Black producer, and I, before I came back, and we did a Black Comedy Festival, and I came back, and I looked at those guys, and I looked at Chris Harrison, Armani, Felicia. It was us four. We're standing outside of 907. And I look at him and I go, we're going to do a black comedy show here. They're like, what do you mean? I said, I'm going to get all of us together. And we're going to do a black comedy show. She's like, okay. And they're all like, well, where are we going to do it at? And I was like, we're going to do it at the underground or we're going to do it at laughs. And they're like, no, we're not. We're, we'll get somewhere else. I said, nah, if we're going to fucking do this, we're going to get it at the underground or laughs. And they just looked at me like, no, we're not. Nobody's going to give us the underground or laughs. Right. And I went to the laughs and I'd been, you know, I, I mean, I'm not the funniest guy, but my four to five to 10 minutes is solid. We'll just put it to you like that. And I'm a solid comedian. I don't think I've had too many bad performances. I've had bad performances at open mics because other comedians don't want to laugh at my jokes. If you look at the audience, 
Audiences oh, yeah. always laugh. Fuck you. You know open, what I mean? Open mics isn't a gauge. Open mics is just a gym. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, you yeah. know, like high school, cool, whatever. Right. <laughs> so we get we get there and they're like, you can have the Thursday before three day weekend. Now the reason why I say that is because I didn't know that was a big deal. Do you know it's the worst time to have a show? Hmm. The Thursday before a three day weekend. Why? Because everyone's preparing for the three day weekend. No fucking way. So we got over a hundred people to see black comedy at last comedy club and went two and a half hours and fucking killed it. And they cut me a check for 1100 on the spot. All right. You know what the first thing these other white comedians said to me, you, you got you lucky. <laughs> Ellen and Hannibal Burris got paid more. There were more people there for their show too. I bitch. It was a fucking Thursday. And I'm not Alan or Hannah. It's like, my know, first time. Yeah. Right? So then on top of it, you know, Cliff's on the show and he's talking to, you know, laughs and telling him, um, you know, maybe he's looking at him. He's like, you know, the young guy can do this. And Cliff saw Cliff, in me what I didn't see in myself. Cliff Barnes. Yeah. Yeah. Love that guy. Good guy. And uh, he's he's telling me, he, told, he calls him Chili Dog. I guess that's his name for him, right? He's like, I told Chili Dog. You know how Cliff talks. Cliff's like, I told Chili Dog, you should, uh, you know, if you think the kid did good here this night, what if you gave him a regular night and actually helped market it and gave him some help, you know? Imagine what he could do then. You know how Cliff talks because he's, yeah. he's going to talk, give you a backwards. He's not going to talk shit to you, but he's talking shit to you. Yeah. And so I had an idea for Def Comedy Jam. I had an idea for Momedy. I had my idea for Dark Brew. I just done it, right? Mm-hmm. And I went to them and they were like, ah, I mean, we kind of like your black comedy show. We can maybe do that again. But uh, we don't want to do a woman's show or the deaf show. It's okay. It's not a big deal. Okay. Next. So, mind you, <laughs> this all started with me talking about going against the, the grain, right? Yeah, I go to Columbia City Theater. I send Mark Jones, the guy who runs the theater, email and says, hey, I just did Dark Brew. I want to do this show called Deaf Comedy Jam where we translate comedy for deaf people and this and that and this and that. He responds. And do you know what his first sentence says? He says, my 20 years in the entertainment industry, I've never had anybody ask me about doing a show for deaf people. I've definitely got to talk to you. Hmm. And the hmm. story goes from there. And then even just like with the idea of how many people are on your show or what you're doing, I revolutionized how we did comedy at Columbia City Theater and Mark and Fred and their whole staff believed in me and then told other people when they wanted to come do comedy, we need what Dante's doing. I need a flyer. I need you to buy posters. I need you to do advertising. And so I raised the standard for my club, which like you said, if more people would have came to Columbia City Theater, do you think I would have cared? No. No. I'm the only producer who has other people producing at my venues. Yeah. Why is that? Because what you said, it's, it doesn't matter. I can't work every day. I don't want to work every day in Des Moines. Exactly. I want two nights in Des Moines, right? I want a night in fucking Kent. I want a night in Columbia City Theater. And then I want to produce my shows in Boise still. And then maybe be on a show in Canada and be in Bremerton. So that way, when you come to Seattle... I can book you for a whole fucking week and it all be suit man shit. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Hey, let me ask you. I mean, this is, I'm totally going off script. I shouldn't be, it might be the, the, the bush light. No, it's not even a bush light. It's just a regular bush. I'm drinking. Um, uh, What are your thoughts on uh, uh, why we can't get a comedy troupe? 
why you can't build a team right now. Like I feel back in the day. I disagree. Uh, I got a team. You got a team, man. I, are you serious? Me hijinks. You, me well, and dirty angel and half the com- black comedy festival. Like I, I've no, got, I mean, I mean like, I mean like four, five, maybe seven comedians that, that a market can count on. Like, you got a production team, yeah. I mean, and Hijinx is a fire comedian and entertainer. No, I'm literally telling you, I've got a team like right okay. now. So, um, so we're, we're like, people are like, it's a Friday. I want to see these five comedians. Like, I don't see a lot of that. The if light you brights, got that. That's fire. The light brights. We did Boise the first time, right? And it was me, AC, LJ, okay. Sullivan, Reese, Samuels, and you then guys- my buddy. You guys Curtis. traveled uh, back in like what October? Or... Yeah, this was October. No, okay, no, no August. This was the August. August. Show. Okay, so this is during COVID shutdown. Just yep. for reference, you took so, a squad. Yeah, that's right. I remember. This is seeing the funny that. part is so everything I do, I do with intent, and I keep saying that. Right. Mm-hmm. So we got to Columbia City Theater. Deaf Comedy Jam had eighty-four people at it. Forty, no, sixty-four people. Forty-four of them identified as deaf. We had cart captioning going on where they typed the words we're saying and ASL interpretation. Yes. The next month, October 19, Dark Brew sells out with 135 people. Yes. I picked up Black Friday just to have a show and got 40 paid for Momity. Picked hmm. up two days before Christmas, December 23rd, 19, right? Got 34 people, made a $400 donation to give love laugh. Two days before Christmas, nobody even comes to a fucking show. I'll take 40. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mixed and misidentified. You were on it. We got 88 people, right? It's January 2020. Yep. Yeah. February hits. We get 100 people even at Dark Brew. Then we go under. Now, February 2020, this year, right? I went to the Black Comedy Festival. I did the um, pod, Ken Hamlet's podcast. He used to be here, Drunken Night Out. Black yep. com- Hold on. Black Comedy Festival. That's down in Portland. That's put on by uh, Dirty Angel yep. uh, Productions. Uh, High Jinx. DJ Jinks. I want to yep. make sure they get their credits. Oh, they definitely will because they're partnered with me. I, well, I know, but I'm just saying. <laughs> I hey, you, jo- Joke Daddy got mad love. I don't know if you know that, but Joke Daddy got mad love for Courtney and hijinks you gotta say it right then it's courtney ah, <laughs> she's gonna correct you when she sees she probably, this or hears this don't worry better hear this. <laughs> better hear some jokes show me some love i be sending her hearts all the time so we i met i met my light bright crew at the northwest black comedy festival 10 months ago okay okay and we're all light brights we get down to the first day i'm in my suit and tie I'm in the last showcase. I'm doing the podcast in the middle. I didn't know I was going to get an hour of stage time basically by myself in front of the whole festival. And right. I fucking kill it, right? Nice. And so I'm on this high. And then I'm the going before the closer of the show, which means I did really good. So I'm on another high. And I'm drunk. And I'm fucked up. I don't even remember after that, a lot of that night. After Off those I, white Russians? Yeah, exactly. You heard my stories about white Russians on the podcast? Kill it, right? So... Second day comes. Now I'm sober. Not sober, but I'm just watching because it's like, and it was funny because it's like an audition. You know, you do a festival, you got when you perform. After you perform, everybody's looking at you. Are you even funny? Yeah. You can talk all this shit, but are you funny? Right. And so I went and met up with LJ and Reese and AC, and they looked at me and they're like, nigga, don't you know you're the highlight at day one? Hmm. And I was like, what? They're like, so there's a show and there was another show. 
and then there was an hour where everybody was watching you. Oh, you just had you. I mean, okay. So sometimes you catch a break because everybody, somebody hears something about you, and so everybody wants to watch the catch a look. This was just luck. But then the sometimes, year, yeah, you get caught. It, the start. So the my first year at the festival, we didn't. I should have start with this story. The first year at the festival, I went down on Friday. I took Quentin and another white guy. So Quentin Jones, a black Quentin comedian Jones. from my area. Yep. Good comedian. And then Quinn Fitzgerald. Quinn, little... Quinn, Quinn Jones, I want you on the show, by the way. <laughs> and then Quinn Fitzgerald, a little white guy who's pretty good. He's coming around. He started yeah. producing. He's not too bad, right? But I really liked him. So we were giving him comedy advice and talking shit. Now, here's the funny part. On the way down to Portland, me and Quentin are having this argument. He's like, I have more content. I said, but I have a better quality of content. And he's okay. like, well, I can do 20 minutes. And I was like, yeah, but I know what I'm doing for 10 minutes. Do you get what I'm saying here? So, and you've seen me enough to, you know, you know, my yeah. 10 minute routine. <laughs> and so we're having this argument over what's better to have more material or have a routine. And I'm like telling him it's a routine. And so yeah. we get down there and we do the first show and I get on the first show and I get five minutes and I crush it. Right. And Quentin didn't get on, so we went to the other mic, uh, the little Ming's mic at the, at the the Asian restaurant where people have got stabbed, you know what I mean, in Portland? Yeah. And we, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I got to hit that room. <laughs> and we come back to the festival, and Quentin goes and talks to the guy, and he gets 10 minutes. Now, I'm jealous, because I've only gotten five, right? <laughs> and now he's going to get to do 10. So I want to get some more minutes. So I go to hijinks, and hijinks like, you got to talk to the producer. So I go to the producer and say, hey, can I get 10 minutes? And he goes, ah. I said, look, I'll take five. I'll take whatever you get. So I can give you five. Now, like you said with Sam Miller, there's certain things, compliments people say to you that just mean more than what you know. Sure. So I get off the stage and the producer goes and says verbatim, nigga, if I'd have known you was funny, I'd have gave you more than five minutes. <laughs> I think Hijink said the same thing to me when I did jokes in the hood at Pub 26. Hello. Yeah, he had you as the opener, right? No, yeah, I actually no no no. I did I did do 12 minutes. Uh, but you get was, what I'm saying? I was and, third. But yeah, he was like, I should have put you on for 20. And I was like, all right, cool. But but yeah, I mean that it, that is something that'll light a fire. And that is something that that will, I mean, when, when you get a vote of confidence like that, that's game changing. And, th and so we did other mics that night and they said I was great. And all these black comics are like, man, you're like five years. Everybody's four, five years in, seven years in. I'm like, no, six months still. <laughs> right. And then they said on Sunday, I said, hey, I'm reffing in Portland because, you know, I ref. Right. I was yeah. reffing seven on seven in Portland in the yep. morning on the way back. Can I get on again? They're like, go ahead. So All I right. drive down, right? I come back, I throw on my suit, right? And I do my first set. And this was- Oh, you church. drove back to Seattle? No. So on Friday, I performed. Me, uh -huh. Quentin, and all them came back, right? Spent Saturday up here. And then Sunday morning, I worked in Portland doing reffing. Okay. So I had to take my buddy with me. So we drove down. He got a different ride back, but then I stopped through. All right. Now I do my first set. I do my fuck my students joke, right? I do my master's joke in front of the old black church people kind of like caballeros guess what they had no love for it Ooh. like i bombed like it was dead quiet they did not like the shit like my mixed joke and being calling me an angry white guy they're like nah nigga you're black 
I mean, the similarity between Portland and Seattle is very similar. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it, it's the same thing, but if you get the wrong group of people, they don't appreciate it. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I got an opener where it's like, I know you thinking I'm the cook and people in Seattle are like, we would never think something like that about you. You fine Hispanic gentleman, you. What's your name, Jose, Jesus, whatever it is. You know, you must be a Martinez, but we wouldn't think that. No, not at all. And so. Maybe a landscaper. And I look over and Ken Hamlet's there, the one that I did the podcast for this year. But I look over and the only comedians available are me and Chris Harrison. Now, the thing is, one of the best things I'm good at is talking shit. No. And on the inebriated and faded show, you do your set and then you go get drunk and super high and come back. And so I came back and Ken Hamlet starts talking shit about my curl. And so I just went off and just started talking shit about him. And I was like, aren't you a twin? I was like, you motherfuckers are so stupid. Your dad would go A and then point to the other one. He'd say B and then point to you. You only know how fucking half the alphabet and went off. And then I was like, <laughs> something. I was like, oh, that's Chris Harrison back there yelling. He's the only dark skinned nigga I know who acts like he's light skinned. And the whole black place went off because, you know, you get around black comedians. They could they read you from a mile away. Yeah, so, you know he's he's a flamboyant, loud motherfucker, but he's not light skinned like me. So that shit went off and just killed it. Yeah. So I'd already done good for Ken once, right? So I didn't plan on doing this podcast. We talked about stars aligning, right? So on my drive down on Thursday, Ken calls me and said, "Hey, this major comic from LA that was going to come didn't make it through the airport. Do you mind covering? I know you'll at least have something interesting to say." Huh. So I had originally drove down to Portland to get seven minutes on the last show of the night out of the three shows. Now I just got told I'm going to basically get to headline a half hour interview about myself. Hey, now, I mean, you know, and and that's the thing a lot of people don't understand about comedy. And I'm glad that we went down this little rabbit hole. This may not have been the direction that I thought that this podcast would have gone. And that's the beauty of the thing. But like when you're a comedian and doors can open up. And putting yourself out there and being available and taking opportunity and taking taking a chance on something, you never know what's going to happen. And I think that's a key point to succeeding in this game is being able to say yes and being making yourself available, willing, and uh, and uh, just just being fucking funny. So, well, you know, being funny helps, but no, but you're not lying about that, like. No. Do you know why Suit Man is Suit Man? Because I have enough balls to go places and do mics and do shows that people don't give me permission to do. And yeah. I want you to hear me when I say that again. I go to mics and do shows that people are not giving me permission to do. And you know what I'm talking about. You'll talk to somebody and, and not so much you, but you'll hear people go, hey, I was thinking about going and doing this. And some veteran comics, some negative Nancy will come over and oh, you've only been doing comedy for eight months. Yeah, you shouldn't be worried about going on the road. You should try to conquer all these local rooms where people have a pecking order and don't like you and aren't going to laugh anyways. You should try to conquer those before you go on the road. If you funny, you funny. People don't understand that. Am I wrong, though? Isn't that what you get? Like People do that. No, they do that. Keep working. Keep writing. Stay at it. Give it a couple years. Keep working this mic. Or try a couple other mics to test out, you know, because you don't want to get locked into one room, which which was something I did in my in the very beginning of my career. I got locked in on Capitol Hill. 
Mm-hmm. And actually the producer of that room, Rick, he came to me. He's like, are you only coming here? I was like, yeah, I love it here. He's like, yeah, that's a fucking problem. You know? <laughs> He's like, how about you go get, get a little culture, go, go see what, what else is going out around, around out there and, uh, and come back. And he's like, he's like, I don't want you to stop coming here, but I want you to, you need experience. You need to hit it. Get somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think that's a big thing. Um, A big thing. And, and yeah, I definitely, I've seen you going out there and just putting yourself out there. And I think that that's, uh, that's been a huge inspiration to, um, for myself, just to chase and just to say, I want to be a part of that. How do I be a part of that? I, I think a lot of it is people are, are afraid to ask. Because I mean, nobody likes failure, right? Nobody wants to be shut down. Nobody, nobody wants to take a risk. But um, this game is all about risk, I think. That's the hard part. Like going, like we were talking about getting to Boise and shit. Like that's how we got to Boise. Yeah. I did that Black Comedy Festival. I looked at my Reese and them guys and said, "Hey, what's your clubs in Idaho?" And I said, "Okay, do you have any contact information for them?" And they gave me like emails. It's not like I got to call these people and be like, "Hey, yo." And I sent them the emails and sent them the, the suit man flyers and the sh- shows I've done and said, Hey, can we do this here? That's and one of them said, yes. And then we came out of nowhere to do that August show. Like literally I'd got paid. I was getting paid well. And I looked at my buddy and said, let's drive over to Boise this weekend. And they're like, well, Hey, we could probably let you do a show upstairs. Hmm. And the five of us, the four of us put to, on an hour and 15 minute show. You got paid. 25 bucks a peach it don't matter about getting paid it's covid it's exposed look at it's that that's a huge thing right i'm glad you brought that up so you you got gas money to get there but what you got was exposure and a willingness to perform and you made an impact in a community that is going to want you to come back that's the other part that's the big thing is we we kept going back to the lounge the lounge wants me back exactly as long as i want to come back you made it the first time we got a hundred dollars right the second time we got two hundred dollars the last time we know the first time we got a hundred dollars second time we got 150 last time we got 200 and hotel see i think people don't understand r o i (laughs) return on investment and that's where the merchandise part comes in because the last time i made only 50 bucks because i split it with four of us and really 20 of that went to gas so we all made 30 if you know what i mean yeah but we got a free hotel room we got 30 dollars cash and then i sold five or six of my t-shirts which was another 100 or 120 or something like that and then that's where you know what i mean everything comes together if you could do this without coming out of pocket i mean first of all i love comedy i love being on stage i love doing this so if i could do it and not come out of pocket and travel that's a win you know, and that's 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 what a lot of people aren't getting right now. You know what I mean? Is that we're gonna have to rebuild the economy for comedy, comedy, right? It's gonna be tough. And everybody, like I used to tell people, like, what's which? I think I had this conversation with you. I said, "Who's your customer?" And you were like, "The people." I was like, "No, the club." When you're a comedian, your customer is the club, because that's yeah. who pays you. Yeah. Remember we had a long talk about that, and you were like, eh, "I don't know. We'll agree to this screen." I was like, "No, it's the club. Who pays you is who's your, your, your fucking customer." And that was a big problem for a lot of people. Is if you don't make buddy buddy with the clubs, you weren't getting booked and you weren't doing all these things. And so now I don't even work with people who are my friends. Sometimes, like, there's a lot of people I've booked that I don't like. 
Hey, I'm... if people are good and people are talented, I can get beyond a lot as long as we're putting people in the seats. You're putting out a product that people want. This is a business. We're here to make some money. We're here to do some things. And uh, we jumped We jumped like way ahead from Dante being a comedian to Dante being a fucking producer. <laughs> so we, we really fast forward through a lot of that. And that Dante, Dante the comedian isn't what's important, I don't think. You know what you I mean? Said like, that, you said that to me within- A long time ago. Within six months of me getting into this game. You actually said, I'm not worried about being a comedian. I'm worried about being a good producer and putting good content out there. And, and from what I can see, you've, you've done that clearly because you keep booking me on your shows. So clearly <laughs> you, you, you have got to, a good gauge for talent. Right? Exactly. So uh, I appreciate that. Speaking of, speaking of that, I want to talk really quick since we're on the fact of, of Dante, the producer, we um, we're getting, yeah, we're, we're getting there on tape. Um, I, I want to run down everything Suitman Productions is doing right now. Uh, I got a little list here, so stop me if I mess something up. Otherwise, I'm going to run through this. You've got um, the Autastic Artist, which is a podcast uh, featuring people on the spectrum, on the autism spectrum. Um, and that's a new podcast that I think just dropped this week for the first episode. Is that right? Yeah, first episode dropped yesterday with Juliana Hang out of Malaysia, a funny con uh, comedian. And then it's yeah. just like, this one is, is is a gem. A lot of things, like we're funny, we have laughs, we had tears, we had anger. We had all emotions yesterday. I, I listened to about, about... Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, no, uh, we're just talking about everything. Yeah, it was a good episode. I listened. I unfortunately was only able to listen to half of it. I listened to my podcast in the in the early morning. I start work at like five a.m., so um, I was listening to it before my building opened up, and uh, and there was a lot of good stuff, and I really enjoyed it. So I'm looking forward to more of that. You've got um, so that's a new podcast that Suitman is doing. You've got the Black and Proud show coming out. You've got Raw Comedy coming out. You've got uh, Soul Sisters. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to Soul Sister <laughs> Sundays. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to tune in for that one. I can't make time for like every single thing that Dante's doing, uh, Superman <laughs> Productions is doing, but there are things that I chip out a little bit of time for. Um, and then you've also got Mix and Mix Identified. And I want to spend a little bit of time on that because I'm a narcissist and I'm on that show. And I've been on that show before. So uh, tell me a little bit about Mixed and Mixed Identified that's dropping. That's going to be an online show coming up in January. Well, that's my that's my show that hits home. Um, that's my show. That's kind of where I'm creating a new lane when it comes to racial comedy. Because nobody's really talked about just being mixed. Like we yeah. joke about it, but there's no mixed show. And then just being able to see, I don't know, you, you like we, we hinted at this earlier, to see so many Asian people at a Black producer's show. Yeah right yeah that was awesome right that's part of seattle but just to and then to not only see them but they laughed at my jokes and they get black culture and you think well maybe they do maybe they don't there's like 60 70 different asian com countries right can you tell me the difference what somebody looks like if they're in north korea or south korea or you know what i mean there are some 
features that you can tell but you know what i mean like they're they're used to being misidentified and yeah. they are mixed there's a they're yeah. usually not just one asian you know you're either I mean? chinese or japanese <laughs> right but There's you're part or maybe yeah. in indian but then people are like is that even asian yeah right which it is again it let's is. have that let's have that talk right and then you're yeah. not just indian you could be pakistani or bangladesh right and so <laughs> like we're laughing but they go through the same shit we do so there's yeah. a commonality in the thread and then the the flyer design this is who i really got to give a shout out to we talked about this before we started was my artist jane jira yeah. Look yeah. up Jane Jira draws. She's an artist. She's a, a published author. She's a comedian. She does anime. She does logo. She just does a ton of just beautiful things. I've, I've got to get some logo or some flyers. So I, I per, should probably hit her up. And so I asked her to do something special with this flyer. And she put the globes on people's hands. Yeah. And then I was like, well, can we put the flag of everybody's nationality on there? And so when you look at this flyer, it's the most culturally diverse flyer you'll see. There's 20 different cultures represented because out of the nine to 10 comics on there, there's 20 different nationalities listed because that's what they're mixed with. And so you get a perspective from all over. Um, we've got two Mexican and Filipino comedians. We've got you and we've got another one from LA. So <laughs> uh, Maria, right? Yeah, Maria de la Ghetto. Yeah, and, uh, I, and you you told me I need a link with her. I sent her a message, and we're gonna try and make it work. Especially if I could if I could uh, piggyback on 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 this episode. If I could tag her on the end of this, that's gonna be it's gonna be fire. So and that's the thing. It's like it's it's just a different movement. You know what I mean? Like how many Mexican Filipino people have you ever met other than your family and yourself, Joe? Right? I didn't say all my family. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's the whole idea. Is now people are seeing. Yeah. And we're bringing comedians together. Like I never thought I'd see two Mexican Filipinos. Now I've got them on the same show. Hey, good for you. Not saying right or wrong, but that's yeah. the thing. No, and, and it was actually weird because she actually was like, "I've never met another one," and she was really excited. And then I was like, "Oh, we must be cousins." because yeah. we're, we, we are so rare like it's a it's a rare breed but it's not because you know obviously mexico and america but then the philippine islands is really just mexico of asia <laughs> so, i didn't say it i didn't say it. <laughs> you didn't say it but but it is it's true and and so there's a lot in common that we have there and so i was actually really you brought Suitman productions brought together her and i we're going to collab she's down in la i mean and that's the beautiful thing this is america this is comedy we can all come together and we can we can do this together well that's the best part about Suitman productions is right or wrong i can name i think 10 to 15 local and national producers that i've inspired and in doing their shit Right or wrong, Tony West started producing after we started working together. He got mad about something and started doing his own shit, truth be told. You've got Tara Christian, who one day had to host a Zoom show for me and then decided, you know, hey, this isn't that hard. And I gave her a couple of tips. And so she started Living Room Comedy. Tawana took a couple of tips from me and started doing her show. Sounds like you're going to start listening and start doing your own shit too, right? I ain't listening. <laughs> Nothing you saying, Dante. Right? I did a couple. I had a, what's his face? Jack Lee did a show with me once. Um, Adrian, the comedy ring in Canada. Um, he got interviewed on a podcast by Chris Zapata and he spent half the podcast talking about Suitman Productions and the impact it had on them and them growing their brand. Yeah. And so for me, my legacy doesn't start with me anymore. I told you that it starts with this company doing more. 
Sure. And I love the fact that I can come on your podcast. Right. I, I love the fact that it doesn't have to be my podcast, right? I don't have to edit anything. I can just be done when I get done. That's the thing. If you're getting more people to create lanes and be creative than more than what they were, you're giving back to comedy. Sure. There's so many people who haven't figured that piece out that they're taking. And that's the problem. When we talk about why can't people work together or why aren't we making a crew or why do we don't have a Seattle troop? Because nobody wants to give. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that's, it's, it's ego, it's pride. It's, um, it's, it's, it's a multitude of different things that bring people together, but push us all apart as a society. And, uh, and I'm proud of, um, to see what you've done as somebody who has known you, you know, since before you were a professional anything, right. When, you were just, <laughs> when we were just kids, Dante, right? yeah. when we were just kids and, and that's the thing, like, and now, there are certain people there's Facebook, there's Instagram, and we see other people in our class and, uh, and you and I are, are separated by a couple of years, but I can count on one hand, the amount of people who are actually doing things and We're doing what they love, doing what they love. And, and you're, you're doing something that you love, uh, despite a lot of, uh, adversity, despite a lot of things you keep persevering. And I think that that's an inspiration. I like to see, um, all the different things that you're getting into. So kudos on you, man. Um, keep at it. Um, okay. I'm glad that you came on and, and, and dropped some knowledge on me and dropped, uh, what you're, what you're doing and why you keep doing it. Um, quick, you've dropped a bunch of nuggets of advice, but, uh, can you tell me what would you tell an up and coming comedian? You know, somebody who's just lockdowns ending and they want to get out there and start doing some comedy. What's some advice you'd give? Find places to do comedy where you're not funny. <laughs> and you Ooh. laugh at that, right? Ooh. Cause it hurt. That's like a knee jerk reaction. Cause that's because I told you that I told you that we had this talk as it stopped going there. You got to go somewhere else. You're like, no, nah, I love it there. All yeah. right. And then Rick, Rick told things. Then you get out. And it's like fuck. These people don't know me. They're not laughing at my just my bullshit. No, yeah. you learn. You know, yeah. uh, Tawana had a, had a similar incident. You know what I mean? And we talked, and she'll tell you that openly. You know what I mean? And and that's the biggest thing is, I think that's where most of my success early came from. Is I didn't have a home. Literally, I was homeless. So I was doing <laughs> yeah. comedy every fucking where and any fucking where, and there was nowhere that was my home. Now, Teradice became my home through the drama and all the other counseling. And we didn't get to the council culture conversation, right? But <laughs> we can still get, we got a couple minutes, right? And that would, <laughs> hey, yeah, let's talk about that. And, and that's where I think you've got to challenge yourself. The biggest problem we face in this comedy and in entertainment right now is kind of cancel culture. And what I mean by that is it's either right or it's wrong. But when it's wrong, there's nothing you can do about it, right? Yeah. yeah. And so when shit hits the fan, if it even comes close to hitting the fan, you're going to hit, get hit with a spray, right? Mm -hmm. And so you've got to be careful who you do business with, who you associate with. Um, I'm not a big fan of the Tacoma comedy scene just because there's certain shit that happens and gets said. And if I respond, I'm going to, you know, fuck somebody up. So I just don't go. You know what I mean? I just, I can't deal with the edge lords, right? I couldn't deal with a lot of the, 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 
homoerotic jokes on 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 um, Capitol Hill all the time, right? And then I got tired of seeing 72 white guys in the Seattle comedy scene. So I just made my own, right? And so I guess what I'm saying is, is you can't get canceled if you do your own thing. There you go. Right? I, yeah. You can't deal with drama if you just do your own thing. I mean, you're going to have haters. You got to ignore them, whatever. But a lot of what we deal with is because we're not doing our own thing and we want to you know, be a part of something and we want to hang out at the same club. Well, you can get in trouble by just the fact that all you want to do is be at a certain club all the time. <laughs> I, I, I tell people that all the time. It's like, you can be guilty by come, association. How come there's no like handbook? Like, Oh, you're not allowed at this club. You're not allowed to associate with this comedian. You're not. And, and here goes by like a year of you hitting four mics in a week you know, getting exposure to a ton of different open micers or actual, you know, uh, comedians. And you have no idea what baggage any of them have. And you make these associations. And then all, all of a sudden people are like, you never should have spoke to them. Now you're, <laughs> now, now you're done. You know, it's over for you. And it's like, but th th there was no email that went out that said, you know, <coughs> stay away. <laughs> and it, there's it, also a lot of the politics are... Just Here's exhausting. the other side of that. The only guys that are doing comedy right now in Seattle live are canceled in a lot of rooms. The only guys, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. The only guys doing comedy right now and hosting this outdoor thing and got the little write-up in the Seattle Times, they're canceled by most comedy clubs. I didn't think we were right? going to talk about that. Have you done that yet? No, I'm going next week, I think. Next week? Okay. Yeah, I I might, have, I'm on I might the show be there tomorrow. tomorrow. I don't know but, yet. I've done it. I've done it a few times uh, when it was in Capitol uh, at the park in Capitol Hill. Mm -hmm. That was an amazing. <laughs> that that was something that'll go down in the history books, doing those shows. <laughs> and that's that's what I mean. So like, you put yourself out there. You know, a lot of people may know more about those guys than Suitman right now in our local market because they got the. You know what I mean? They got that exposure, right? good for them look at raja and chris harrison went on their make america laugh again tour yeah uh whatever it was they went around people talk about it you know what i mean so it's like people don't get that everything's about opportunity perception is what it is and i remember the first time i had somebody come from out of town they hung out with me outside of being soup, soup man so basically we got done at ballard brothers open case and then i took him to baltic room and got some free drinks there and went somewhere else and got some free drinks and then went down to stage where I bounced out too and got some free drinks and helped bounce for a minute and was drinking and smoking. And the guy was just like, can we go home, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but it was one of those where we forget that comedy isn't everything. Do you get what I mean? Sure. Like we're so wrapped up in what we're doing and what our experience is that when you get outside of comedy or you get outside of some of these things, it's not that big of a fucking deal. Perception's everything. Yeah. And so when people think Superman's the shit and I'm renting a room in somebody's house and I'm unemployed right now, trying to get my label going, right? And I got all this great creativity, but it's not making me a million dollars, right? Right. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we have people we see on the scene, like a Derek Sheen who works on his comedy and you don't know who he is, but he's on tour and he's a headliner and he opens for Brian Poston. So it's all about perception. Right? Yeah. yeah. 
And so if you're sitting around the same areas doing the same mics, when you start, you're going to get a perception of what people are putting out there. If you're going out there, going everywhere. And that was my thing. I didn't really align with too many. There's nobody I ever really aligned with that was too bad because I didn't have time to get it known. Yeah. Whatever demons I've ever had, I've always been my own because I didn't have a crew. I did the first, you know, remember everybody didn't like the uh, fact I didn't hang out with anybody early in your career. I remember just, you know, as your Facebook friend, as, as somebody who knew you from before watching, it's like, this guy just gets around. Like, I mean, you were just hitting like anything and everything. And I was like, that's, that's interesting. And, and that's, <laughs> that's actually a really good move. I didn't, I didn't really attach to anybody. The only people I attached to were the Hennigans the cliffs, the guys that were real senior who yeah. would look at me and see me around and be like, Hey, you're kind of funny. You can come over to the circle. You know yeah. what I mean? And then talking to the club owners. And like I said, that's who my customer was. So I'd always talk to the club owner, shake their hand, meet the bartender, you know, do all those little things. And when you're doing all those things and meeting the staff and you don't have time to get into the drama. Yep. I didn't really know who was fucking who and who was doing this, that, yeah. other. and then when you're doing three mics a night, you're in and you're out. I don't have time to hang out. I'm not having a drink. We're not talking. We're not chit-chatting. You know what I mean? I didn't see his bad joke. Yeah. Nobody has a chance to ruffle my feathers. Yeah. Like, and then it was good. Like, like, I'm not here to make friends. I mean, you know, whatever colleagues is good, but I'm here because I want to do something. I want to be something. I want to tell jokes and I want to be heard and, and, uh, and anything I can do to, to further that is is what i'm going to do anything that takes away from that i got to stay away from yeah and, and maybe that makes me look like an asshole and yes glad heading and shaking hands and meeting people is good but if you're funny and you can gather people around you to make good content and, and you're putting out quality stuff people are going to take notice why because the money's flowing and when the money starts flowing that's when oh, the shit. starts going oh shit and then even if you're not making a ton of money, at least if you're consistent, that's the thing that they talked about. Like if you're going to start a podcast, keep going. You're yeah. doing it again, right? So you're, it sounds like you're recording in advance. So that way you could just drop shit when you want to. You're getting smart. I see what you're doing there. Yes, right? Sir. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm, recording, just... I'm recording three days a week, two to three episodes a day. And you're only putting out a couple episodes. You're getting I'm dropping one to two episodes a week. Yeah, yeah. You're getting yeah. you're having a cache. So then if you want to take a week off, you can. Yes, sir. Well, that's the same idea here. We're booked. Suitman Productions has four shows a week booked straight till July right now. Yeah. All of them are booked right now till July. Yeah. Hold on, hold on. Because you haven't talked to me about mixed and misidentified in June 2021. So uh, uh, yeah, July 2021. Yeah. Oh, is it July 2021? Uh, yeah, yeah, July 2021. That's once at uh, once a uh, about okay. All but right. Yeah, it'll be July eighteenth, twenty twenty one, is the day for mixed. You didn't think that I was. Yeah. So you know, joke daddy's gonna be down for mixing mistakes. <laughs> right. I love that show because that was a that was a lot of fun, and and I think we'll wrap up on this little story of you and I. And I really, uh, it we'll go over where you're at and where people can find you on social. But you and I, we you had me on mix and mix identified um, at Columbia City Theater. And that was fire. You had a great lineup. Uh, I was looking at the lineup. I'm like, Jesus, there's so many people. Like, people are going to be like comedy exhausted, but you put me in a good spot in the lineup. And it, it didn't matter. I could have gone on first. I could have gone on last. I think the energy in the room and just that night, like, I had a great time. I had a great showing, I, I believe. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, great uh, set. Yeah. And, and so Mix That Mix Identified is, is a great staple production that people can count on. And when I tell people, hey, Superman Productions, I've been on one of them. If, if you're going to watch any of them, you're going to get quality. And there may not be, there, there could be a comedian you don't, you don't click with, you don't understand, you don't vibe with, but there's going to be something else there for you. And, and man, Dante, I got to say, man, just keep doing your thing. I mean, cause you, you're putting out content, you're putting people on, on that haven't been on before. And, uh, and you, you, you got, you got something good going. So thank Soup, you, sir. Suitman productions, man. I love it. Yeah. Check us out. Suitmancomedy.com. We've got the schedule on there. We've got shirts. We've got, sweatshirts hoodies stickers magnets black and proud is a big show coming out that's our black and lgbtq community show um that's huge it's a black unicorn with rainbow hair says black and proud on it so and then once we go live again we'll start doing the deaf show again and all these other things so yeah i appreciate you buddy it's gonna be good man i really appreciate it so um from right here in the studios at uh, joke daddy productions this has been an episode of laugh with me for Dante and myself, I thank you for tuning in. Y'all stay uh y'all stay real. <laughs>